Hello, and welcome back to the Seymour Mongo podcast. It's been a while, so we apologize for that. Um, we had some pretty big life events, wouldn't you say, occur in the past couple of weeks, Mongo? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say it's probably, I would say it's big as it gets. And that's us recording this podcast. Right. I mean, <laughs> secondary to the podcast. Let's be real, right? Yeah. But, um, you know, you but... decided to get married. So congratulations on that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was It was a very, it was an awesome time. And um, yeah, I'm just so thankful to be married now. It's um, just, it's just such a blessing and so much, and such a challenge at the same time. You know, it's just. Um, yeah, it's, but it's been a lot of fun so far in the first few weeks. I, I bet it's, I bet it's been a little bit of an adjustment, you know, all that kind of stuff is. So I figured since we're going to, you know, this is our first episode since the wedding and we've done quite a bit of reminiscing about you and Amanda and, you know, your relationship, why don't we <laughs> reminisce a little bit about the glory days of the jets and the giants i that's 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 honestly that, that's the the best way to say that i think that um in these dog days of summer it's it's easy to get caught up in in the mini camp news and um and the nba playoffs but i think it's this is a great time for us to think back on some of the great times that we've had in our franchise's history because Let's face it, September through January, we don't really have a lot of great times. No, it's been it's been a pretty big drought on uh, in Florham Park from September to January over the past, you know, 10, 11 years. Yeah. So I think we should throw it back to our favorite players of our franchise. So that'll be our first first and second down topic. And I'm actually gonna start with you. You'll lead us in first down and you can give us your favorite or your all-time Giants offense. So if you could pick any of the players in franchise history on the offensive side of the ball for the Giants, who would they be? And give us maybe a little bit of an explanation why. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to start it off at, at a quarterback, and that's somebody who deserves no explanation, Eli Manning. He's I picked him for the all-time quarterback, and um, not really much to say there except uh, two Super Bowl rings. I think that's justified as they did just retire his number. So that fits. Yeah. Good pick. Good first round pick. Bell. I don't think you could have messed that one up. No. Um, yeah. Now moving on to the skill guys, like um, there's a lot of different great giants you can pick from. Um, and I'm, I'm going to write down the list for the skill guys and then kind of talk about each one just to give you a kind of a picture of what this offense looks like around Eli Manning. A two-time Super Bowl winner. In case yeah, you missed that before. Oh, he won two Super Bowls. Yeah, yeah, they were both against Tom Brady. So, um, all right, it's as I guess that's you could say that's as good as it gets. All right. Well, thank you for clearing yeah. that up. You know. Um. Yeah. So at running back, we're gonna have Tiki Barber. At fullback, Alex Webster. We're throwing it back there. That Wide is wide receivers. Platzico Burris and Odell Beckham. Ooh, that's a the Odell Beckham one is a little bit of a risky pick. It's it's a sneaky. I think it's a sneaky pick. I I'd agree. I think 
I think he's definitely deserving of the of that spot. I would like to have seen him in New York a longer time, but he's definitely deserving of that spot. Oh, yeah. You know, I think in his most productive years came with Eli Manning at quarterback. So, absolutely. Yeah, he's not doing much with Baker right now. No, he's not. Yeah, well, and then the L and yeah, yeah. No, he's been banged up so far there, and you know that first year. I mean, the whole Browns offense struggled. So, um. But I, I think getting him on this all-time team, I think that that he'll he'll that reconnection with Eli, even though like media-wise it didn't really work out, but on the field, I mean, it was I think a beauty at times. Right, absolutely. I mean, the three-fingered catch, talk. I mean, you can't spell beauty without that. So yeah. Um. Then my next position is a flex wingback. So we we want six skill guys here. Yep. And so with the fullback and now the flex wingback, Frank Gifford. Ooh, yep. Mr. Hollywood yep. himself. Yep, that's a good one. And then Mark Bavaro at tight end. I like that. That's a that's a very, very solid quarterback going into skill position player group. I mean Yeah, thanks. Yeah, no, I think that um yeah, I tried to touch on a lot of Giants history. Of course, a lot of the skill guys were recent just because of how how developed I think the game has gotten at the skill position level within the last 50 years. Right. Absolutely. So you've got this wealth of talent at your quarterback and skill position group. Who's who's starting the play? Who is building the foundation in the offensive line positions for you? Yeah, so we're going to start that off with the Hall of Famer, Mel Hine, at center. Okay. And beside him is going to be Sean O'Hara yep. and, and Bart Oates, two Super Bowl champions with the New York Giants. You know, I have, I, I've sensed a trend <laughs> in your picks, and I'm not going to be able to really go that way with mine. <laughs> a lot of these guys have some Super Bowls, so I, I understand the logic behind those picks. Oh, that, yeah. I mean – the the ne- the next two are gonna be pretty logical too when it comes to hmm. Super Bowl champions. We're gonna get David Deal at right tackle and Roosevelt Brown at left tackle for us, a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I mean, how can you not pick that? You know, he's already cemented his place in NFL history, let alone Giants history. Yeah, so I'm feeling I'm pretty I'm feeling pretty good about this. This offense, I think that, you know, we're going to be able to run the ball well with Tiki and Alex Webster. High and tight. High and tight. That ball high and tight. This, this is post, post-Coughlin post Tiki Barber. So he's, oh, so so this is when he could hold on to the football. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. You should uh, – that reminds me, you should, we should do head coaching. Um, we should do coaching staffs for this team too. We can do that next week. Yeah, that, that could be on next week's pod for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would – I think that would really show that would really show more of the identity of what this team and the offenses and defenses will look like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I'm feeling pretty good about being able to, you know, I got Platico and Mark Bavaro for the fourth quarter, and I got Odell for for the fans. Honestly, how many years did Platico play with the Giants? Um, it was, I believe, oh. 05 or 06 to to 2008 
So it was a very short time period. But he could also make the Jets all-time team. We'll have to wait. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know if he did, but I don't think a, he did, but the potential to happen. But no, that is a very stout, very um scary group of players. I like how you went deep into the Giants history, like you said you were going to. I think that that really just solidifies how good of an organization the Giants have been since they've been around, you know, since they've started. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, the Giants had a very, a very um, storied history before, um, before the Super Bowl era. And that's something mm-hmm. that I really want to represent on this all time team. And when you, when we get to the defensive side of the ball, that'll be represented as well. I mean, there's just so many great players in this storied history and, I mean, that's one of my favorite parts about being a Giants fan. It's just the history that the Giants have along with, you know, the championships that we continue to win. Okay. <laughs> I see what you did there. You know, a little salt in the wound. You know, you get two championships in the past, you know, 15 years. And I see how it is. Yeah. No. But, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm kind of curious to what your team's looking like, Seymour. I mean – it's got to be just a historical team because like, I mean. I uh, think you might be disappointed. So at, why don't we move into second down and we'll talk about this Jets all-time team. I'm, I'm actually going to introduce it a little bit backwards to how you introduced your team. Okay. Yeah. I respect that. Um, I'm going to reserve my comments until the end just because I, I don't want to laugh too much. That's okay. You know, I appreciate the I appreciate the consideration. So here we go. You got Danny and Tomlinson at running back, right behind Lamont Jordan. So I I I did struggle a little bit because I feel like the Jets' history is sporadic. You know, yeah. like they were good in the late '60s. You know. Yeah. They made some runs in the late 90s, made some runs in the late 2010s, early 20, you know, early 2020s or 20 teens, however you want to, yeah. you know, uh, categorize it. But I feel like it's been sporadic. Like you had those years where they were just awful. Yeah. But then you had your years where you're like, hey, these guys are in playoff contention. So I'm going to start with the offensive line. And we were talking about this before the pod, Mongo. I feel like the best offensive line the Jets had was really during like the late 2010s, late 2000s. Um, So I'm going to go right with center. Um, Go right to Nick Mangold. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I kind of thought about Kevin Mawai. He was very solid for many years at that center position, but Mangold was just so steady. Like, I don't think I remember Mangold getting called for a hold or making any types of mistakes. I'm sure he did, yeah. but they just don't stick out to me. I just feel like he was really great. Um, Smart player. Then I'm going to go to out to right tackle with Damien Woody. He was a free okay. agent signing. Um, just very solid for multiple years. Yeah. You no, know, like he was he was a great run blocker, good in pass protect, pass protection. Um, very good. And he played right alongside Rot uh Moore, um Brandon Moore. Yeah. At 
right guard. Very underrated. He played like 10, 11 years for the Jets, I believe, maybe if not more. But he was very underrated. Like, you never heard his name. Once again, never heard his name. I feel like when you hear offensive lineman name, offensive lineman's names, it's for bad reasons. So if you don't hear their name, they're pretty solid. Yeah. Was Brandon Moore the, the butt fumble or no? He he was. Oh, okay. He was. So that just tells you how versatile of a player he was. He can call wreak havoc <laughs> on both sides of the ball, whether it's for his team or against his team. But Brandon Moore – Brandon Moore was actually he, – he converted from defensive line uh, to offensive mm-hmm. line. Um, so he's a, he, I mean, he has a really, it's a really, he has a really great story and just that conversion and, um, right. and I just feel like he, he fits in this all-time team. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's so, keep the continuity. Yeah. So moving over to the left side of the line, another free agent, um, signing, he is now in the hall of fame, more known for his years in Pittsburgh, but Alan Fanica. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, when he was in New York, he kind of anchored – he he was, I feel like, the start of the offensive lineman movement in New York. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he was – he's the first one I really remember that was like, all right, we have a solid guy here on the line. Let's build – let's build it. Like I said, a little more known for his play in Pittsburgh, I think, but definitely worthy of being on this Jets team. And – this is actually my favorite, one of my favorite players of all time at left tackle, the Brickashaw Ferguson. <laughs> um, I love it. I think he missed one career snap. I think. Yeah. And I, yeah. No, I've, I've heard that before. Yeah. And I think it was on like a special teams punt coverage. I don't even think it was. Yeah. I think it was like a trick play or something. Yeah. I don't even think it was like an offensive. Play, yeah. But. He was just so good for so long. And I was so can and he he retired not really early, but you know, I think in year 10. Yeah. Um, so he definitely had some years left potentially. But I was definitely the day that he retired, it was like oh, it was a disappointment because I just yeah. enjoyed watching him and what he was just he was just really good, you know. Yeah. So I think that And it's taking you it's taking you guys a long time to replace him finally now on Makai Makai Becton. Right. I mean, it just shows how good he was because we haven't been able to replace him. Yeah. So now I am going to move on to my tight end position and go with Mickey Schuler. Mickey Schuler. Mickey Schuler. I don't think I've heard of him. He played like 10 to 11 years. Yeah. His numbers were always consistent. And I had to go with him because you have guys like Anthony Beck or you have guys like Dustin Keller. I just don't think their longevity with the team was yeah. as impactful as, you know, Mickey Schuler's. You know, he had 10, 11 years in for the Jets with very solid numbers. So I feel like I feel like that was one of my safer picks, you know. Um, and plus the fact that Dustin Keller went and signed with Miami after he was done with the Jets, I was done with that. He, he was off. <laughs> you know? He was dead to you. Right. Um, I'm going to move on to my flex slash fullback position richie anderson okay richie anderson and i think what puts him on this team is his versatility yeah i i've watched games from like 99 2000 those years when the jets were you know 
to the AFC championship. Yeah. Um, a lot of, you know, anticipation around those two teams, those teams, that, those years. And Richie Anderson was a fullback, but they used him all over the field. Yeah. Like he would line up in the slot. He's in the backfield. You know, they had the um, wishbone formation going. He's back there, you know, and he was just, he was just versatile. You know, I remember watching him run slant routes as a receiver and he, he, you needed eight yards. He got nine, you know? Yeah. So I really just liked his skill set and the way he opened up the field for those offenses back in those days. Um, wide receivers. I took three wide receivers. These ones, I feel like I may have taken the easy way out, but I feel like the Jets haven't had great wide receivers um, consistently. Yeah. I mean, you had Brandon Marshall, but he was only in, with the Jets for two years. You had Eric Decker. He had a couple good years with the Jets. He, you know, fun to watch. But I went with um, Don Maynard, the receiving yards leader. Oh, yeah. Receiving yards leader for the franchise. Um, Wesley Walker, he's second in receiving yards. You know, I mean, these were guys that were just in their time. They're a little bit older. You had Maynard in the 60s. Yeah. Um, Walker, I believe, in like the 80s. 70s 80s you know I can't I don't know if he got into the 70s but he was in the 80s yeah um they just looked like they gave DBs havoc yeah and they were always open um a lot of deep balls to these guys which you know is fun to watch so I think you know having them at the top two spots on the receiving yards list for the Jets there's no way I could leave them off this list um, and then my third wide receiver, I can't go anywhere but Wayne Corbett. Yeah, <laughs> better than Julian Edelman. Oh wow! And you know, apparently there's talk about Edelman getting in the Hall of Fame, but Wayne Corbett has better numbers than him in the regular and season. I just love that he <laughs> was undrafted. I'm going to ignore the comment I, that he was an undrafted free agent. Yeah, he worked his way onto the team coming from Hofstra, watched games in Jets and Giants Stadium growing up. I just – there's no way I can leave him off. He's tough. He was reliable. You know, like he retired due to injury, not because he really wanted to, I don't think, from yeah. everything I've heard. Don't quote me on that. But <laughs> he did want to retire. But he's just – he's probably my favorite Jet of all time, so I could not leave him off. He, um, he might be my my favorite jet of all time too. He's um, just, now we're gonna go to running. running back. I think this one speaks for itself. Curtis Martin. Oh yeah. Yep. As um, Boomer would say, Curtis, my favorite Martin. <laughs> he's he was the oldest um, running back to lead the league in rushing back in 2004. He was 31 years old, and he actually did that on a torn MCL. Wow. You know, I mean, he was drafted by the Patriots, so I love yeah. that we signed him away from the Patriots. Wait, is he, he's the oldest running back ever? Yeah, as of at, at the time that he did it, he was uh, the oldest running back. To he was thirty-one. Oh. I mean, you know that thirty-year-old mark for running backs usually they yeah, start that downhill age. decline. Yeah, but um, oh, that's crazy. 
I, I didn't realize that he was that productive. I think he had like 10 years of a th- 10 consecutive years of a thousand year uh, yards. Yeah. So, I mean, he was just so good. Yeah. So good. You know, like I feel like he was Le'Veon Bell before Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. Um, and the fact that he did that in 2004 on a torn MCL just shows how tough he was. Yeah. My quarterback had <laughs> any other way to go than Joe Namath. He threw for 4,000 yards when the schedule was 14 games. He brought us our only championship. I know there's the whole interception to touchdown ratio conversation, but how could I not go with him? I think a close second for me was Chad Pennington. <laughs> I'm serious. I think I would take Chad Pennington over Vinny Testaverde. Yeah. But I think at the top of that, that yeah. quarterback pile for the Jets, it's got to be Joe Namath. I mean, there's no way to go anywhere around that. Yeah. So that is my all-time Jets team. No, I, I I like it. I think that I like the continuity that you have a lot along that offensive line. Yeah, I mean, it's the Jets have a surprisingly consistent history, even though that they haven't really, you know, reached the mountaintop since since nineteen nineteen sixties, you know. Right. I mean I would say they're consistently inconsistent. Yeah. You know, like you never know what you're going to get with the Jets. I mean, I'm hoping I can put Zach Wilson at the top of this quarterback pile. Oh, oh. But we'll wait and find out. Yeah. We, we just said that about Sam Darnold a few years ago. Yeah, that was kind of a hard, uh, uh, freezing cold take at this point now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm still a little sore on that one. Um. Now we would just have to, you know, could these two teams that we just built beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? <laughs> well, I have know. Eli Manning, so I mean, that's yeah. I mean, I think you're already up there, so that would be the next conversation. Yeah, I will. So I think we need to to have these two teams face in a in a battle for New York. Loser goes to yeah. New Jersey. Loser stays in New Jersey. He's in New Jersey. Yeah. Never crosses the river again. Yeah. You know. So now that we've talked about our all-time teams for our franchises, that was first and second down. Why don't we move into third down where we are actually talking about, I think, one of the all-time great wide receivers and the Julio Jones trade. What are your thoughts on this trade, the compensation you know anything about it? What do you What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think I think for for Tennessee, I mean, there was somebody there. There were a team that I didn't think had a great offseason. I thought they they didn't invest enough in their offensive line. I thought mm-hmm. that they had a lot more players walk away than they than they added in value. I just I was very. There were a team that I was looking at from the draft and free agency, and I. I didn't like that they didn't add any, add any. I mean, they did add pass rushers and Bud Dupree, who had a pretty good year, but he's yep. he hasn't really been the number one pass rusher, or been highly productive as the number one pass rusher. And I felt like their offensive line just they they. I don't know. I mean, I know they they drafted a right tackle, but I just don't know. Um, I I just don't know if they solidified it enough for me. Because I mean, I saw the Ravens just dominate them at the line of scrimmage. 
when they play him in the mm-hmm. playoffs and shut down Derrick Henry. But, I mean, I guess adding Julio Jones would kind of – they would hope open things up on offense. I was just going to say, I feel like it kind of offsets that um, offensive line trouble, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Um, what amazes me, I feel like, Mongo, in this trade is – if Tennessee only had to give up a second and a fourth rounder to get Julio Jones, and then I think um, the Falcons threw in a sixth rounder, yeah, on top. Like, what? Where were the other thirty teams in the league on this? Like, I feel like the Falcons got got robbed a little bit. I mean, I understand that Julio Jones has the con big contract, yeah, and you know you're gonna have to resign him up. Right, but I feel like it's he's one of the best all time. I'm not saying he's the best all time, but he's I feel like he's one of the best wide receivers of all time. You trade for him, you figure out the finances later. Look at what Kansas City's doing. You know, they were like how much money over the cap be, to begin the offseason, and then they went and signed Joe Th- Tooney and um, Kyle, Kyle Long, you know, brought him out of retirement. Yeah, you know, and then they traded for Orlando Brown. Yeah, they're gonna pay him. You're telling me that you know, thirty other NFL teams couldn't have worked the cap situation to bring in somebody like Julio Jones for a second and fourth round pick. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's tough because I think Tennessee kind of fits the bill when it comes to a lot of these teams because they're not like Kansas City. I mean, Kansas City wants to win multiple Super Bowls. This is a team in Tennessee that just wants to get, just wants to win one Super Bowl. That's I know they want to get there, but I is Julio Jones really on the last year of his career? You know what I mean? Like I think right. he's gonna, yeah. he'll probably play another four or five years. Yeah, I would think. I don't know. That's off the top of my head. Yeah. But, no, I agree. Yeah, I agree with that, I and mean, I think he's got at least three, three really, really productive years left. Just being like, you know, one of the top receivers in the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, I just feel like the Titans won this trade. Yeah, and, I mean, I, I agree. Just, and I agree because Atlanta also had to take on salary. So. And I think I might be, I might, I might have the wrong opinion or viewpoint or maybe even understanding, but I understand that the Falcons just trade or drafted Kyle Pitts. Yeah, but could you imagine the? And I feel, and I'm not saying Kyle Pitts is going to be the next, you know, Travis Kelsey, or, you know, best tight end ever. Yeah, but could you imagine the potential offense with Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and Kyle Pitts? Throwing throwing Russell Gage too. I mean Russell. Right, you know what I mean? Like I just feel like I feel like they could have messed around with a a year of Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Pitts. And then you know what? If there's not enough ball to go around, then you dump Julio. Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, just, it surely makes it interesting looking just at like just the felt like you look at the Falcons. You're like, what's what's the plan here? Offense? Like, I don't think they have one. <laughs> you know, like I'm no expert, but this is also coming from a Jets fan who. 
has never had that consistent Julio Jones type of wide receiver. We've had those good wide receivers, like I just said, in our all-time teams. Yeah. But you haven't had Julio Jones for 10 years. Yeah. You haven't had Julio Jones for 12 years or whatever he's, you know. Yeah. And it's just they traded him for pennies on the dollar. Yeah, like, and they, they, they took on salary. Yeah, I mean, it's – it's, it's just hard to look at this team and just try to figure out, like, I mean, I mean, I, I honestly, I think, and it's, and it's actually funny now. I didn't even realize that Arthur Smith just came from Tennessee. Um, yeah. So that makes a lot more sense of, of, of how he got dealt there. I think the best way that this trade was summed up is DeAndre Hopkins and what he said about, because he was traded last year for a second rounder. Julio yeah. this year for a second rounder. Yeah. What first round wide receiver is better than those two guys? Off the bus. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, I feel like you had to at least have gotten a first rounder back if you're Atlanta, and they yeah. didn't. And I think that that makes them lose the trade. Yeah. Yeah, that along with taking on just got back a second rounder for Sam Darnold. <laughs> and more. Yeah, more. And more. Yeah. And you're telling me that Julio Jones is in the same ballpark as Sam Darnold? Yeah. I love Sam Darnold. I hope he's great. Yeah. No, I so, agree. No, I wish he worked in New- worked out in New York, but he's not in the same ballpark as Julio Jones. No, I I totally agree. And um yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see in, t- in Tennessee this year how much value he adds to the offense just because, you know, receivers, I mean, if you look around the league, I mean, they, they don't add as much value as their contracts are worth. Yeah. And, um, and, th- and that's one of the reasons why he didn't go for something higher is just because the value of wide receivers isn't as high as, as people playing fantasy football think it is. Yeah. That's where my fault is. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going with a fantasy football mindset most likely. <laughs> And that's and and for me, like that's why I look at Kansas City and what Kansas City did, did this offseason. I go, wow! Like other than like adding a pass rusher, like they really like they really covered all their bases and trying to get get back to the not get back to the Super Bowl, but get back to winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, because you went with that offensive line help. Yeah. So now that you're throwing it back to Kansas City winning the Super Bowl, we'll move on to fourth down which is headlined today by this breaking news of the NFL going to allow the second colored helmet rule for the, for the league starting in the 2022 season, which brings back a whole new um, repertoire of throwback jerseys for teams. Yeah. And I don't know about you, Mongo, but I am very excited about this. I love the, um, diversity of teams you wearing throwback jerseys. Yeah, I mean it's the, the throwback jerseys just bring back such great memories, and they just it's such a nice change of pace, especially for the teams that don't have good uniforms now. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I don't know if I'm the only one that thinks this way, but I feel like when we have a current jersey, we take it for granted. You know, like oh. 
they need to change this. They need to, you know, make this a different look. But then they end up changing the jerseys and they go, you look back at the throwback jerseys that you were complaining about 10 years ago and you're like, yeah. holy cow, those were actually pretty cool. And yeah. I feel like with this new rule, it, that brings that back into light. Yeah. Back into the picture. Like, I think there are some very underrated throwback jerseys that we're going to see now because of this rule change. Which, which ones are you looking forward to the most, Seymour? I think the most popular one, and you might agree or disagree. I don't know. We haven't talked about this at all yet. But obviously, the Buccaneers, Creamsicles. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, those are – are... That's at the top of everybody's list. That's a – it's such a unique and great uniform. Yeah. You know, you have the, pi- you have the pirate with the sword in his mouth. Um. <laughs> And at, at the time, I mean, uh, uh, I remember Steve Young played in them when he was in Tampa yep. Bay, and um, I mean, they they just looked so out of place in the league back then and in, in the eighties. But I mean, now it's just such a fun. That's what I mean. Like I feel like in the eighties, yeah. people, were like, wow, these are ugly, but now everybody loves them. Yeah, you know, it's, so it's I think... just like this. What is it like? Mu- it's like a mustard yellow. I don't even know what. Well, I guess it's cream. It's like creamsicle. Cream, right. It's like a creamsicle. Cream. Yeah. Creamsicle, you know, with another type of orange on top. Of it. I don't know. It's just really good. Yeah. It's a cool jersey. Um, But I, you know what one I don't think people give enough credit to? I almost like the old um, Seahawks jerseys. Not the yeah. ones that you think about with the Sean Alexander days. Yeah, but the, you're talking the about Jim, silver Jim. helmets, the one yeah, with the Jim, silver helmets and the Jim Dorn and Steve Larger. Yeah. 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 Bring those back. Those are yeah. cool. And I feel like with today's, you know, maybe it's today's helmet technology and the different looks of the equipment that makes them look cool again. But I feel like those would look really cool on the field. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially now that Seattle's a watchable team, like I, I think that they'll be a lot more enjoyable. Uh, yeah which one which ones are you looking forward to potentially coming back i mean for me uh, the biggest one has got to be the oilers one i mean that one is just i love it's kind of like that chargers powder blue yep yeah i mean i i think it would just be like just just so cool for them to to wear those and um yeah i mean I think I, I think you hit the nail on the head though. I mean that uh, that cream skull one is that's gonna be the one where I'm like if I'm thinking about watching a game like I'm gonna check out that game just to, just to check out those jerseys. Just to see it, yeah, it's such yeah. a cool color combination with whoever they play on the uh, TV telecast. Yeah. What throwbacks might you not be looking forward to? Because I have one off the top of my head, but I want to see what you might have to say. Um. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think I have two. Actually. Yeah, maybe let's. You can let. Oh, I have. I I have one. I have one. Go for it. I have. It's the the Forty ers um, in like the late nineties had like this shadow jersey. 
Yeah, with the yes, I know what you're talking about. Where the number was like a shadow. It had like a black shadow next to it. Yeah, that was that. Those aren't the greatest looking jerseys. Yeah. Um, the two that I don't really need to see ever again, because I just think that these franchises have either better jerseys right now or they have better throwback jerseys than this one is yeah. the Acme Packers. Really? You don't like that one? I don't like it. It's like my go-to in Madden when I'm playing with the Packers. Really? I don't I don't like them. It just doesn't roll with them. <laughs> and then I would have to say – There's the, a little circle in the middle with the yeah, number. You know, it's like, so I don't funny looking. I mean, maybe the brown helmet because it was a leather helmet back then, I guess. Yeah. No, but I, I just don't think it it's looks like good. like mustard-colored pants. Right. I just don't think it looks good today on today's well, – That's, that's kind of – I don't know if you – I don't want to – but like the the Titans, the New York Titans one. See, I think they're that so god awful. One. But I feel like the Titans are so god awful that I want to see them. <laughs> and obviously, there's you're playing on my heartstrings with that one as a Jets fan. <sighs> but you well, know, what's, I don't, what's the other? The Titans don't bother me as much as the Acme Packers. The second one I don't ever need to see again in my life <laughs> is. The brown and yellow Denver Broncos throwback. Really? Socks. I don't like those either. I'm not a huge yellow fan. It just reminds me of Kyle Warden so much. And I just it get does. I get tears of joy every time I think about Kyle yeah. Warden. I even think of uh was it No Sean Moreno? Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. He, he wore him there for a while. Like, I don't know. I just I could I could not watch a football game without seeing that again. Yeah. You know, or I could watch a football game. <laughs> I double crossed myself there. Yeah. But I don't know. I overall, I think bringing the throwback jerseys is going to be awesome. Yeah. I love throwback jerseys. Um, I actually have the New York Titans, Brett Favre. Really? I didn't. Jersey. Yep. That's incredible. Back from that 08 season. <laughs> but. I don't know. I just love throwback jerseys. And now the Jets have an additional throwback jersey. Now they've changed their jersey a couple years ago. They have that additional throwback jersey. Yeah. I just think it's cool. You know, it it brings more interest to the game. And I think that it's a good rule change or good change back to the Yeah. I mean, we had the NFL being the no fun league for a while. And now, you know, bringing back, bringing celebrations back within the last five years and and now bringing back the throwbacks, like, I mean, this is just going to create more fun for the players and, and, and for the fans too. I mean, this is, this is easy fun. Absolutely. So Mongo, now that we've done some reminiscing and remembering and flashing back to the glory days of our teams, I think that brings our fifth episode of the podcast to an end. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was it was a good one back. I think that I'm going to enjoy putting together the rest of my throwback team next week. And, and I think the coaching staff is where I'm I, – I think that's where I'm going to get some brownie points from the fans. Yeah, you might – you might. I, I have some thinking to do about my coaching staff for sure because they have to be the right guys to lead these all-time teams. Yeah, no, I so, definitely – I mean – um, I mean, I mean, you honestly like. There's so many coaches that the Jets have had, even for like a day, that it might, you might, 
you might sneak somebody in there. Absolutely. Instead, <laughs> Mongo, I think we can wrap up this podcast. And as always, to our millions upon millions of fans, be safe and keep hitting that follow button. Thanks for listening. Peace out.